I, I guess what I'm hearing, and Chrissy, you know, obviously you, you work with gents, so you might you might feel differently. So correct me if I've got this t- completely wrong, but we struggle with vocabulary as a community. But the gents, and I remember Robin Hadley talking about like this concrete block. So all the feels, but no vocabulary to this to this sort of get it out there. So the anger from what I hear in it is it's just a, a poof, I can't do anything else with it. I've got nothing to explain how shit I'm feeling. So I'm just going to go with what I can, which is the, the, the momentum and the anger. But I guess what I'm hearing is society don't let, doesn't let you do that anymore. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be angry. So what, what the fuck are you allowed to do as a gent then, as a bloke? Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with your hosts, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Chores community, and our aim is to be a focal point for the community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and give a voice to the issues specific to us. And by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without children we dearly wanted. Now, before we start this episode, we'd like to remind you that Well Childless Week is fastly approaching, and there are many ways that you could contribute. The call for submissions is open now, and you can also vote for the People's Champion. So why not pop over to wellchildlessweek.net to find out more. Now, this episode, we explore what it's like to be a childless man with Chrissy Pantlin, an Australian counsellor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. Sadly, Berenice won't be here today. Um, she's taking a very well-earned holiday. So you'll just have to put up with uh, Sarah and I this week. Uh, and today we're joined by Chrissy Pantlin, who, i tell you what, I'll let her introduce you, herself to you. So Chrissy, who are you and what do you do? Hi, Michael. Hi, Sarah. Um, so as you said, I'm Chrissy Pantlin, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, like you guys, member of the Childless Not By Choice community. And I'm also a counsellor. And uh, with my counselling practice, I focus on working with men. There must be a little bit more to you, Chrissy, than just that. Because <laughs> I know I know you're a hybrid Australian, so just like just like me. So, I so, am, yes. So tell us, where's your accent from? Uh, so a bit of a mix. I was born in South Africa, but raised in Scotland from a young age and uh, moved out to Australia 18 years ago. Um, I've lived all up and down the East Coast, uh, which has been fantastic, seen some amazing places. And uh, yeah, came back to Melbourne three weeks before the pandemic. So that was uh, perfect timing or before lockdown. And um, yeah, and launched my business in the middle of the pandemic last year. So it's been a very interesting time. Uh, trying to connect with people in the online space as a counsellor um, and also trying to reach out to men who are struggling through all of this and, and getting them to, to seek out the help that you know they need as well because we're all struggling at the moment. Brilliant. How is it you so, came to work with guys, Chrissy? If you know, how, how did that come about? Yeah, so um, I was a, a health and safety manager, so I can hear all the guys going boo hissed um, <laughs> but I was a safety manager in heavy industry so I uh, worked in mining construction shipping and transport 
And um, yeah, I just found that a lot of the guys, you know, were coming to me struggling with family issues, personal issues, health issues. Um, also, you know, struggling with um, being away from, from home. A lot of them were from like in shipping, a lot of them were from New Zealand uh, in the mines. A lot of them, you know, came from all over Australia to do that work. And um, I just saw so many guys needing support and not really knowing where to turn, feeling they couldn't turn to their colleagues that, you know, they'd sort of be laughed at or, or teased for, for needing that support. Um, and also the company's not really providing that support, despite knowing they were, you know, employing people from all over the place, taking them away from their families and their, their usual sort of social support structure. Um, there was just nothing there. And, and then sort of saying, well, they, they need to be safe on the work site. And, you know, I kept trying to champion the cause that if we don't look after their mental health, especially, but also help them with their physical health, um, you're not going to have a safe work site because uh, obviously if people are struggling, um, they're, they're not going to be in the right mind frame, um, you know, when they get to work to do the work safely. So it was a bit of an uphill battle. Um, and I decided to go and start studying again to become a counsellor. I had done a psychology degree or most of a psychology degree many years ago um, and done nothing with it. Um, and yeah, my plan had been to incorporate uh, the sort of counselling stuff into the safety stuff because I did also work with a lot of injured workers. And, you know, especially in things like transport, you know, guys in their 50s and 60s having back injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries were the common ones. And, and some of them never being able to go back to driving a truck. And that was all they'd ever known. So there's a lot of fear, a lot of panic, um, a lot of stress for them about how they're going to provide for their family. How are they going to suddenly learn a whole new job and career? Um, and again, just not the support, you know, out there for them. Um, unfortunately, through uh, my own injury, uh, I suffered a spinal cord injury. I was unable to continue in the safety arena, but I finished my studies and, and decided that I would just, you know, take what I'd learned and set up in private practice so that I could help guys more directly rather than, than through the workplace. Wow. That's <laughs> a real, real circuitous route, isn't it, into what you've ended up doing? Yeah, it was. And uh, I never really imagined myself being in private practice um, as a counsellor. You know, as I say, I really saw it as being part and parcel of a, a safety role, which I, I loved. And uh, I suppose I think I love the, the health side of it a bit more. I liked helping the guys to sort of uh, look after themselves because, as I say, it wasn't something that was really um, front of mind for most uh, management mm -hmm. teams, you know, in these types of companies. They're obviously understandably you know watching their their bottom line um but yeah I've, I've always liked helping people and um you know I just seem to connect quite well with men as I say they would often end up in my office wanting a chat sometimes crying and it was heartbreaking to just see these you know grown men struggling so much and, and saying I don't know where to turn you know I don't know who to ask for help it's really tough isn't it Michael it I, I guess it's so, it's so difficult because obviously I'm female. For, for guys, it sounds like then that they have to be normal, you know, normal, bunny ears, normal, but they have to put this front on. And then obviously they're carrying all this stuff behind that front. And so when it's safe to release it, it's kind of behind closed doors. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Very much so. It's um, And because, you know, here in Australia as well, such a macho culture, it's so... Um, you must be tough, you must be masculine, and, and that means you don't show an ounce of weakness. And of course, it's, it's like that, you know, in many countries around the world. 
Uh, but having grown up in the UK, I do find it's it's even tougher here. You know, it's it's really harsh. Um, and I don't know about you, Michael. You know how you found it. Uh, between the UK and, and here, that sort of real macho culture and expectations on men here. Yeah, um, you're very. It's very true, very true. And I, I, I think it has a lot to do with just the history of Australia. It was. It's a tough place. It is a tough place to. Live. Well, you can imagine. You know, two hundred years ago, it was a tough place to live. And I think that would have set the that would have set the foundation for this this culture that we have now. You know, even yeah. um, one of the things that that I notice when I go back to the UK is I remember sitting on a um, on a lookout looking at this lovely manicured rolling countryside that you know, that I thought you know it really shows how harsh Australia is to survive in. And I think that is one of the basis of the fact that why guys are the way they are. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's no doubt that in the workplace, it's the same. You, mm. you, you do not show an ounce of no. weakness because for fear of, mostly for the fear of ridicule. Yes. Because if you work with a group, a big bunch of guys, one of the things that happens is that you're always taking a dig at each other, and if that's um, if that's well managed, it's it's not too bad. It's just the way guys bond. But if you're carrying something, you know, deep deep within, that's keeping you fragile, mm. then it becomes a problem, because um, and especially if it touches a nerve. I remember once, and I, I, I am not a. Um, a violent man by any means. I'm such a such a big cuddly teddy bear, but don't tell anyone. That's our secret. All right. But I remember one day, there's a, there was a guy where I used to work who was he was just the most annoying guy you've ever meet. And it was just after Vicky had had a miscarriage, and I remember him having a go about me for something. I hadn't slept. I just left a home where Vicky was absolutely distraught and I snapped and I just, I took all my strength to not punch him in the face. Oh, Cause it was, it was a feeling I haven't had since. And it's a feeling I don't want again, but that's the sort of, and I'm not making an excuse for violence, but that's how it can come out with me. Especially if it's if it's buried deep, and then there's that thing that just snaps you, mm, breaks the camel's yeah. back, and it comes out as anger. And yeah. I see that a lot in other ways, especially with the clan of brothers. The guys mostly talk about how to manage the anger that they feel around life not being the way that they wanted it to be. Yeah. How, how would you say? One of... Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, Chrissy, from your experience, yeah. um, you know, have you seen that? Yeah, I was. I was going to say that's probably one of the the single biggest um, things I get when when guys, you know, call me or email me to inquire about counselling. They say I really need help with with my anger management, and 
And what I always find fascinating is, of course, they tell me, oh, no, I had a great childhood and relationships are fine. And, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But I'm just really angry. And of course, anger doesn't just come from nowhere. And, and anger, you know, we can be angry, but so often with men, I find that anger is covering up hurt and fear and rejection and abandonment. And, um, and they've just never been allowed to access those emotions and, and show those emotions. You know, when I start digging, so many of them have these vivid memories in childhood of, you know, spontaneously expressing emotion, be it, you know, joy and happiness or, or sadness or anger and instantly being shut down and told, you know, don't behave like that, don't, don't react like that. Or, you know, if they cry, it's only little girls cry. And um, if they're angry, it's a bad thing. And, and if they're happy and shrieking, oh, you're too loud, be quiet, you're annoying me, you know? Um, and of course they, they don't realize that that's them being conditioned into, you cannot show your emotions. You're not entitled to have feelings and express those feelings in the moment. Um, and that's often where, you know, a lot of the clients then sort of break down crying because they're like, wow, you know, I, I didn't realize that that was what was going on for me. And, and so then we start to um, help them learn how to open up to figure out, you know, what are these emotions that are going on for me? And, and I often use uh, what we call sort of body work. So go into your body, first of all, because our body will tell us, it will give us the cues, you know, is, is your jaw clenched and, you know, you're getting pain in your jaw from clenching it. Have you got a headache? Do you feel tight in the chest? Do you have that knot in the stomach? Are your fists clenched? Um, and, and they'll often start to say, oh yeah, I do notice that. And especially when they're getting angry, you know, they get flushed and their heart starts mm -hmm. to race. And um, and once we start to notice the body things, then we can go back more into the, okay, what emotion is behind that? Um, and is it, you know, that you're feeling hurt? Are you feeling rejected? Has your partner said something unintentionally that's, you know, really triggered you um, from something that happened in your childhood where you were just shut down and told you don't get to have feelings? So, uh, and then, you know, I get the, the guys that come to me who are, who are also childless, not by choice. And, um, you know, the grief behind that. And the biggest single thing they say to me is I cannot share that grief with anybody. Nobody asks me. Uh, they assume that I didn't want children, that I'm the successful career man. And, you know, I just didn't want kids. Um, I have one client who said, I, I lie, I tell people I have children because I can't bear the pity when I say I wanted them, but you know we weren't able to have them. And he said, I just can't bear the look on people's faces and the, the change in behavior towards me. So I lie and I tell them I have kids. And I just thought that's heartbreaking that you know he's constantly got to then keep track of what story has he told to who, you know, and, and not being able to be vulnerable and, and share with people in his life that actually this is, you know, a massive source of grief for me. This is a huge loss in my life um, that I want to be a dad and I didn't get that opportunity. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. That's, I mean, it's so tough, isn't it? It's so, I think for women, it's hard enough, but for guys, there just isn't that outlet to, to really say, actually, behind my anger, there's a whole shitload of pain that I'm struggling to contain. So yeah. I guess with guys, it must be, it must be a big deal even just to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, it's sad because so many of them will say, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, or I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. 
um, which again just you know shows the the way they've been conditioned and I will say to them it's it's not right or wrong it's not good or bad it's how you feel it's your emotion it's it's your feeling it's your experience um, and I don't get to judge that I don't get to tell you whether it's right or wrong that you feel that way um, all I can do is sit with you in in that moment and and know that you you know help you know you're not alone that there is support out there there is people who understand you know and that's um you know i have you know sent people michael's way to his facebook group and and to you guys podcast you know to say hey you know there are other men out there who uh, who do get it who do understand the pain that you're feeling um but yeah, and also helping them work on, on that anger, because of course, with anger, which, you know, can be the same for us women as well, that mm. we get angry, we maybe respond in a way that we're not very proud of afterwards, and, and then we become uh, ashamed, and we get into that, you know, um, shame spiral. So I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, <laughs> so use a yeah. lot of her stuff with the guys around shame spirals, and, and how do we break that shame spiral, how do we stop that narrative that because I have an emotion and I'm unable to express it, it comes out as anger, which might be yelling, it might be, you know, storming out of the house, you know, whatever. Um, and, and for some people it has been, you know, smashing their fists through a wall, you know, and, and scaring their families. And, and of course they feel horrible about that. They, you know, they don't want to do that to their families, but they just don't know how else to express it. So we learn different ways of, of expressing it. And also just knowing the warning signs that, hey, this is, this is coming, you know, I can feel it building up. Um, because of course, once we get into fight or flight mode, our, our rational thinking tends to fly out the window. And, and a lot of the guys say to me, I don't even remember what I said or did. I just know that, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes later, I calm down and everyone around me is looking at me, you know, like they're petrified of me and, and they don't want to come near me and I feel shame and, you know, I'm this terrible monster. Um, and it's absolutely heartbreaking because most of these guys are like Michael, they're just big soft teddy bears. <laughs> but, you know, they're trying to hide behind that front of being tough and strong and, and not showing what they have been told is weakness instead of what we know it to be, which is vulnerability. Wow, must be so isolating though. So Michael, clan of brothers, obviously you guys are probably all sitting with this. So mm. what, what does that, how does that play out in the group? How do you support each other um, without crying? still early days in the clan of brothers we're still and i think this is this is sort of the the crux of the of the issue is that it's still early days there's a lot of guys just sitting in the background watching mm -hmm. um one because they don't know they're still trying to figure out is this a safe place yeah but of course if knows if nothing's happening then that decision gets put back further and further. So we've had a discussion around, um, I did a reel for Instagram recently about, you know, Clan of Brothers and I, sh I showed it to them. And one of the guys actually said, well, look, if there's not much talk, what's the point of inviting people in? And some other guys actually jumped on and said, you know what, it's just about a place to belong. It's a place I know is there and I can when I need it, I can pop in and I can 
you know, say my piece and know that there's other guys around me who will understand. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. But I think one of the one of the problems is, and I think it's really, really, really tough for guys, because I know Jody's talked about this before, where and you've said this too, Sarah, that there's not even a vocabulary around, you know, or very limited vocabulary around childlessness and how it feels. And there's, there's really no words to describe the grief any more descriptive than that. Mm. And for us guys, that's even tougher. So one of the things I'm realising now is that I can't tell you how I feel. I find it really hard to tell you how I feel. And I've realized that like my blog is just stories. Cause you know me, I tell stories, but <laughs> I think that's to do with the fact I'm over 50 as well. I'm turning into my dad, but anyway, that's another <laughs> thing. We'll unpack that later. But it, it, I tell a story to try and get you to feel what I'm experiencing. Because I can't, it's it's weird, but I can't find the vocabulary to, so I think, well, let's just, let's just write this and get as much emotion in it as possible that people can feel me rather than me trying to explain it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so this is a theory I'm coming up with. So there might be a book in this somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to write a book. I've got attention span. But but one of the other things, and, and listening to Chrissy talk about this anger that she's seen, you know, in her work, that these this time is is a tough time for guys to actually. Um, show anger because we have and I'm look I'm not trying to say that it's not real but we have words like toxic masculinity being thrown around now so I will talk about myself and say if the only way that I I feel that I can can release this emotion that's in me is by having feeling is angry Already, I know that that's, that's going to be seen as a, as a massive negative against my character because, you know, in general, you know, that's the way that people are, we get judged in a very negative way if, you know, if we express that anger. And sometimes that's what you've got to express. So for me, I know, and I talk with this with Vicky sometimes, if I get frustrated, because now I've got grumpy pants, um, if I get frustrated, I have to, I have to, I have to let that go somewhere. Um, and sometimes it's in our workshop and things aren't going my way. And, and, and I've got to remember to... I've got to remember to, to try and control that. But at the same time, Vicky and I have had many discussions about, look, this is not about you. 
This is not about you. This is just about me just trying to get something off where you would have a cry. Mm. Sometimes I've just got to get it out. And so about, about 35 kilos ago, I was doing a lot of bike riding and that helped. Yeah. Because you could channel that, you could channel that energy into that. And just, I probably need to get my ass back on my bike. So I'm less grumpy, but um, you t in the clan of brothers, there's a number of guys that actually run. That's their thing. They run, yeah. you know, and um, yeah. So I don't know if I've made anything really clearer, but you know, it's, that's the sort of environment that, that my emotions are, uh, yeah. it, you know, living in, been experienced by. Um, I, I guess what I'm hearing and Chrissy, you know, obviously you, you work with gents, so you might you might feel differently. So correct me if I've got this completely wrong, but we struggle with vocabulary as a community. But the gents, and I remember Robin Hadley talking about like this concrete block. So all the feels, but no vocabulary to just to just sort of get it out there. So the anger, from what I hear, is it's just a. a I can't do anything else with it. I've got nothing to explain how shit I'm feeling. So I'm just going to go with what I can, which is the, the, the momentum and the anger. But I guess what I'm hearing is society don't let, doesn't let you do that anymore. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be angry. So what, what the fuck are you allowed to do as a gent then, as a bloke? You don't have any outlets, do you? Is, is that your experience, Chrissy, when guys come to, to talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. We, we talk about that a lot. So, you know, I, I do both sides of it. So I say you need to express it. So if that means uh, I suggest things like get a really big pillow, scream the hell into the pillow, maybe warn people you're going to do it, close some doors, but scream into the pillow, punch the pillow, smash the pillow on the bed. Um, I've even suggested going to like these smash it rooms, you know, where you can get dressed up in the PPE oh. and smash the plates and uh, whatever they have, they give you like baseball bats and you can just smash the absolute bejesus out of everything. I've said, go to the op shop and buy some $2 plates and go down your shed, create a space where you can smash the shit out of these plates. Um, so I, I say release it because you do have to release it. And then also exercise. You know, some people do like you, Michael, bike riding, running, boxing, um, the gym, you know, any of those things. And then the next part is I give them some grounding techniques. So like if you're feeling that overwhelm hitting you, um, we look at some grounding techniques or mindfulness techniques. So one of the ones I, I use most with my clients is what I call a safe image. So we create an image in their head or it could be a, a real place that they know where they feel calm and relaxed and and uh, you have to practice it and you've got to practice it when you're not feeling stressed and overwhelmed because we're trying to create a new neural pathway in the brain. And obviously the more we use it, the stronger it gets. So I say the more you can practice that when you feel calm, uh, the easier it's going to be to access it when you're feeling overwhelmed and, and, and full on stressed. Um, and most of the guys are pretty good they they go and they I, I'm not someone who likes to set homework <laughs> but that's one of the things I do ask them to do is to go and practice this safe place image 
Um, and most of them come back the next week and say, wow, that really helps when I feel my heart racing and I'm starting to get breathless. I try and do the, the safe place image and it just calms my whole body down. Even little tricks for, you know, getting you out of that sort of fight flight mode, like have a really cold glass of water or go and stand outside mm -hmm. if it's nice and cold. Um, blast yourself with the air con because by lowering your body temperature it actually does calm the, the central nervous system as well so so yeah it's i encourage them to to express the emotion um and and then we talk about afterwards particularly if it's with a partner or something how do they then go and have a conversation and say look i'm really sorry i was screaming into the pillow or punching the pillow or whatever uh, or i'm sorry if i got angry and i raised my voice this is what it was actually about and another thing I use is this really great um, thing out there called the emotion wheel, which uh, I forget who developed it now, but somebody, um, Lindsay Bramham, I think it was, she extended it to uh, call it the emotion sensation wheel. And so on the outer wheel, it actually has physical bodily sensations that you might experience in relation to a particular emotion. So I give that to the guys and say, over the next week, just monitor, you know, when you felt overwhelmed, look at the sensations. Did your face get flushed? Was your heart racing? Were you clenching your fists? You know, what was going on? And we might be able to then track it back and say, well, maybe it was this emotion. You know, you might have felt it as anger, but maybe actually it was more hurt or frustration or whatever it might have been. And so that does help then with that vocabulary, especially if they're then trying to have a conversation with a partner or, or other family members um, to be able to say, I'm sorry, I was feeling really frustrated because of, or I was just really hurting because you said something that reminded me of, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, and learning how to what we call uh, use what we call nonviolent communication as well. So, so very much, you know, own their emotions um, own their feelings, own their actions as well. If they, you know, if they do slip up and, and punch the wall um, or something like that, you know, own it, but, um, but not taking themselves back into that shame spiral, just being able to forgive themselves for being human. And I think, I think that's something we all struggle with, but mm. certainly I, I see that massively with men that once they do something like that once, uh, I've even had clients say to me, I will never allow myself to forgive myself for doing that because it's a constant reminder to me that I'm not good enough, I'm not a good person, and I can't allow myself to go there again. And that's just heartbreaking because we all make mistakes, we all stuff up. Um, and so I really try and work with them on, you know, forgive yourself, take that narrative out. Let's, let's stop talking about us being bad people and just saying, hey, I'm a good person, but I made a mistake. I didn't know how to, I hadn't learned how to um, express my emotions. I'm learning that now. So, and, you know, most of the guys I work with are 40 plus and, you know, they're not young guys. So um, they, you know, that's, they've got, as I say to them, I said, it's taken you 40 years to learn that behavior. You're not going to undo all of that in two weeks. You know, I know they want the magic wand of like, oh, I'm just going to be all happy and be able to express yeah. my emotions, you know, next month. And it's like, I wish it was that simple. Um, it's definitely doable by doing the work, um, but it's just setting those expectations as well. So that again, they don't end up getting frustrated and, and angry with themselves. It's so funny, isn't it? The similarities, we, we sort of see men and women are so different, don't we? But the work you're describing is exactly the work that I'm doing with women. And it yeah. just, 
makes you realize how similar we are but we're we're sort of bound by our I don't know society and our expectations of ourselves and what yeah. we've been taught as kids that we're allowed to do it's so funny to hear it I mean not funny haha but so sort of yeah we're all human aren't we <laughs> we're all human beings yeah but I, I guess so what I hear there is, is really sort of helping guys to feel into the sensation rather than just go bang it's anger but it's so yeah. tough to hear them say oh you know I'm a bad person when actually we all make mistakes don't we you know? yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. it's um you know I've been on my own journey of, of having to forgive myself for things and and realize that yeah I've, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life and you know I've certainly struggled to express my emotions and be vulnerable because that wasn't taught that growing up and and it is really difficult you know I, I work with couples as well um and you know and when I'm sitting there saying to them can you turn to your partner and say when you yell at me I feel because that's how my mother yelled at me when I was a kid and they look at me like I'm nuts you know like I'm not going to turn around and say that it's like I know but it but it's so powerful because so often they'll say oh but my partner knows that and the partner's sitting there going I didn't know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that understand when they have that understanding of like, oh, so they're not getting mad or shutting down just because of me. It's because it's triggering something else for them. And once we can understand the emotion behind it, um, you know, they're a lot more forgiving then of like, okay, they've shut me out, but they just need that time to process. I know they'll come back to me when they're ready. And even though that can be very difficult to feel pushed away and rejected, being able to understand why it's happening, that it's not, as you, as you said, Michael, it's not about you. Mm. It's just about what's going on for me right now in the moment. And especially for guys, I find guys often want to exit the situation. Once they've got angry, they want to exit. Um, and us women like to keep going. We're like, well, we're having the fight and, and we're going to talk about it until it's all resolved. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor guy's going I just need an hour to calm down so I don't totally lose my shit <laughs> oh well you I think you've hit the nail on the head there you've just described me and my husband and obviously I'm a counselor I'm like we need to sort this out now we need to talk about this and my husband's going just get the fuck away from me <laughs> oh but so so as partners we can really help out them by just sort of giving them that space to just go and decompress rather than chase them around yeah. the house <laughs> Yeah, and I think but it's just that understanding of, of course, you know, you do, and I've experienced it, you feel rejected because they're like, I'm out here, I'm going for a walk, or I'm going for a drive, and you instantly feel rejected, like I'm not good yeah. enough, and you know, it can create all kinds of stories in your head, but once you've done that work to understand, okay, it triggers something for them. That's just how they process it. And also making that agreement that we will come back and discuss it, but I just need some time to calm down and process it. And, and occasionally it's it's the wife who's who needs to walk away and process it. It's not always the guys, but I do find more so it's the guys. Um, and so we, we make that agreement that even if they walk away, they're not walking away from you. They're not walking away from your relationship. They're just walking away from the argument and the disagreement. And get, and sometimes it helps to have that time to process it because, you know, they might come back the next day. And because you haven't been sort of nipping at them, they might say, actually, I, I can hear what your point of view is. And, and so I've adjusted my stance on it. Whereas if you're sort of just going at each other, of course, it just escalates and escalates. And us human beings, we get a bit stubborn. We dig our heels in. 
um, and, and we just escalate it into a fight that nobody's going to win um, instead of it being, okay, well, we still love each other. We still have a good relationship. It's just this particular issue that we as a team need to, to resolve. So, wow. so many top tips there, I'd say, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> for the guys and for the, you know, for the ladies that are struggling to understand yeah. what's going on for their and partner. Look, things I wished I'd known when I was married, you know, I wish I'd handled things differently. I, I was the one that tended to shut down and, and mm. withdraw. Um, and, you know, it felt too vulnerable to, to share some of the things I was feeling. I didn't feel like, you know, I'd still be lovable if I revealed those things. Of course, I know that that's not the case um, now, but, um, but of course you have to go through it and learn those things. And, and that's where counselling can be so useful to, to actually get that sort of, um, outside objective view on it and, and to learn these, you know, these skills of how do we have these conversations and, and how do we be able to say if one of us says, time out, I need to go and cool down, the other person might not like it, but will accept it because you know you've made the agreement that we will come back and discuss this at a later point. Brilliant. So, Michael, what do you think guys need then in order for support? Chrissy's talked a lot about the tips for individuals, but what do you think you need as a group in the community? If you had one wish. Um, I think it's a, it, it'd, be a, it'd be a multi-pronged thing. I'm a big advocate for getting help. So um, Vicky and I spent a decade on the psychologist's couch. I don't want to scare people to think, fuck, 10 years, but <laughs> very, very multi-layered. Um, and I, I can talk about this. I, I'm allowed to talk about this and you'll, I'll explain why in a moment. You guys, you guys will get it, but for, for the audience, that um, Vicky was sexually abused as a child. And so obviously that has repercussions. Well, not so repercussions, but obviously that has has developed a certain behaviour in her. Um, her mother was her mother was I don't know how to explain this, but even from a young age, Vicky was seen as the mother figure. It was a role reversal. Vicky's mum was quite vulnerable um, and tried to take her life a couple of times. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, so I'm hopefully I'm painting the picture of her. And then I also had had some experience, uh, some experience of being molested by another man when I was younger, too. So there was a lot of layers in there. And so the reason I'm saying that is because that's why it took 10 years. So don't be put off if you think, fuck, I'm not saying, I'm not spending that much money, 10 years. So there, it was a lot to unpack for, for the three, for the two of us. And, um, but we're a big advocate because one of the things it does, it allows me to tell you about me, you know, that there's not many people know about what happened to me as a child. Um, and, but anyway, getting, getting past the point, the point is, 
what it taught Vicky and I was how to communicate properly. It taught us uh, all the things that Chrissy's been talking about. It, that's what it taught. It taught us. It taught us that there are days when we go in an Australian way, pull your head in, you're being a dickhead. So uh, how do I how do I translate that into English? Um, <laughs> it's um, um, I don't know. Is there, is there an actual English translation to that one, Chrissy? I'm not quite sure. But I can't it's, think of one. Yeah, I know. It's a unique Australian one. It's a bit like you're being an idiot. You're being you're being rude or you're being an idiot. Just back it off. Back it off now. That's Wanjanekin, isn't it? We've got that over here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we can do that to each other. Because and we know it's not about it's not about us as people. We're not, we don't take it personally. We know that someone's just giving you a bit of a heads up to say, hey, come on. And I would I would say that doesn't happen much. And I would actually say that Vicky and I have not had a fight. Since, I don't know, maybe 2005, maybe. It's it's that long. Ooh. I mean, you have disagreements, but in terms of a full on right, I'm going in the car. I'm, I'm I need to go for a drive, sort of thing. That's not you know what nearly nearly twenty years. Mm. The um, we pro and and probably the only reason we had that fight in two thousand five is because we've been on a twelve week round the twelve week round the world holiday, <laughs> and the last two That'll weeks of it. it the last two weeks of it was a was a European tour for um, it was targeted at uh, the younger generation, not those dear women with blue rinses, and and um, so it was like twenty four seven. We were smashed after the previous ten weeks, and then just boom, 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 boom. Fourteen countries in fourteen days, and we were frazzled. Mm. So yeah, the nerves are a bit you know a bit tender then. But um, yeah, so I'm a big advocate for, for getting help, and that's that's one of the ways I think um, I like to think I can help our community. With saying, look, if this big gruff hairy guy can stand up and say, there are times when you will need help, go and fucking get it. Don't be a, don't do this on your own. Yeah. But um, yeah, some it, it it's. Uh, it takes it takes a lot of guts for guys to go and do that, you know. So so we need to. So I, I just think that if we can get more guys that can that can champion that, that can can lead by example, mm. and say, you know, it's okay to get help. I think also the um, yeah, I'm just and if. And from that, then guys can perhaps communicate better because we're, we're fucked at communicating. We really are, you know. <laughs> and, it's funny you should say that, Michael, because a lot of people say that to me. They're like, oh, but women are so much better at communicating. And I, I disagree. I think we use a lot more words, yeah. but I don't know that we're, we're still no good at the vulnerable stuff because again we haven't learned that either so we, we use a lot more words we say a lot more but i don't know that we are any better than guys at the actual real raw vulnerable tough stuff 
no we're, we're genuinely not I know I'm not I use a lot of words and I use a lot of um sort of oh look over here <laughs> well, I'm talking about me so yeah we, it, it's like I say I think us you know ladies and men are very similar we've just got different social filters that we have to put it through if I'm honest you know we're allowed to cry we're not allowed to be angry but guys are allowed to be angry but not allowed to cry and it's kind of I think that's where the difficulties come, isn't it? The social conditioning and what we've had to deal with in our childhoods. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there about childhood. Mm. I mean, I've, you know, often talk about, you know, as a, I can think, you know, my mum saying, don't come crying to me if you hurt yourself. Okay. So I never did. Yeah. I never I, and some of the shit I've done, <laughs> so I've fallen out of trees. I've, you know, I was, I think I've still got, I've got a scar down here where I fell out of a tree when I was probably 10 or 11 and obviously winded. Who knows? Might've cracked it. I mean, probably didn't crack a rib, but it was a scary experience. I just thought, well, I can't go home. Can't go home crying. I'll get in trouble. Yeah. All right. I'll just put up with it. And that's, and there's been episodes through my life like that where I just learned to put up with it because I've got nowhere to go. Mm. Because yeah. I can't go home and cry because don't come crying to me when you get home. And then we talked about songs, you know, big boys don't cry, big boys don't cry. We still haven't worked out who sung that. But yeah and then if you played sport which most guys would do i mean majority of some sort of sport you know um for instance in australia everyone worships either rugby league or aussie rules and they're fucking tough games mm -hmm. you know i mean and you know, you the worst thing that you would think of was being, you know, getting, you know, helped off the pitch crying. That was no way in the world would you do that. <laughs> Just get up and you keep going. Yeah. Because all your mates are, they're, they're wound up, their adrenaline's flowing, you know, you're ahead. Let's go. Come on, come on. I, I, can, I can think of many times where I'm just like, I've got to get off this field. I'm fucked. But you can't. Because you'd let you you'd let the boys down, so to speak, and that's that, so it's reinforced in many many different ways as as you mm. grow up. Yeah, I sat and watched an Aussie Rules um, game once when I went down to I think it was at Melbourne. I can't remember the um, oh Collingwood was one of the teams that came out to good old Collingwood. I was like flipping that's like the nineteen forties or something. <laughs> But it was amazing. I've never seen a game like it. There were there were guys just going at each other. The ball was over there and they were just having a full-on ding-dong over in the other corner and the referee was just letting them go with it. And I was just like, it was almost like they're taking all their anger on the field and they're like, right, I'm going to kick seven shades of shit out of you. And the, the ref's going, no, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? So I hear it from clients as well. They say, oh, yeah, I grew up playing sport where aggression was rewarded, where aggression mm. was a positive because you get out there and you smash your opponents. So yeah. they recognize that, you know, that got reinforced and now they're not really sure where to go because 
of course, now they're in a family with mm. mostly uh, a wife and children, but, you know, I, I deal with um, everybody. Um, you know, so their partners are going, oh, I don't, I don't want that aggression. Get your aggression out of here. And, um, and these poor guys don't know any different because aggression was the main thing that they were um, rewarded for and praised for growing up, you know. So what, what do they do with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? As we as we've found today, it's just like trying to unpick this this mess, isn't yeah. it? And then on top of that, you've got the fact that you can't have a family. So it's exactly. just like it's like a volcano, isn't it? Yeah. And then as we know, the all the, the stupid questions and comments and and things that come with that. And even I I don't know what to say half the time when I get to oh, you don't know what you're missing out on. And you know, it's just guys, I think, have it even worse. You know, as I say, I've had clients who say they just lie. Oh, yeah, I've got two kids and they just shut it down. You know, they just don't even want to go into that conversation because they don't want to have to say, well, I really wanted kids and it didn't happen for us. And I'm absolutely devastated that I couldn't have kids. And, and you know, the repercussions it's had of all the the dreams they had of having their siblings and the nieces and nephews over with their kids and and you know whole families sort of almost being torn apart um because it's like well you know my siblings have children and, and we're just not invited because we don't have kids we're not part of it anymore so then there's the isolation of not just the loss of the the desired children and that family unit but then the loss of their siblings and parents mm. because they're, they're not included because they don't have their own kids. So. It's so complicated, isn't it? I mean, this is probably, it's probably my own perception, but I always sort of talk to my husband because I get the bingos, come. I was getting the bingos coming at me, you know, so much, you know, I, I think the women's conversations, you know, tend to be, do you have a family? And then it goes from there. And if you don't, it's like, it's cut down. But my perception was that he he never had that thrown at him, but actually he did, but in different ways. And I guess that that's difficult for a guy, isn't it, as well? It's kind of you can't fend that off with anger, but it, it's going to be hitting deep inside your your pain point, your raw nerve, isn't it? And so it, it, it's kind of almost like a myth that guys don't have to deal with this, but they really do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you say, it's just it's a bit different. And and of course, they go looking for uh you know who else understands this who gets this and and um you know when you google childless men there's not a lot that comes up you know the the odd news article but mm. uh, it doesn't really talk about um where to turn to for support how do, how do you look after yourself um how do you talk to people about it um because it is and we've all experienced it you know the pity which is awful you know we all mm. hate it um, and of course, then that can, especially, I think, you know, I've heard for guys that also can trigger the aggression because they, they feel that hurt, that pain, and then they get met with pity and they just like, oh, I just don't want to deal with this. I, I hate it. I hate it. So I'm, I'm just going to get angry because I know that will shut it down. That will stop the conversation, you know, with well-meaning family members or whatever who, mm. you know, maybe don't know the specifics of the situation um but yeah it's it's such an isolating experience for all of us and even more so for men because there is such a lack of conversation around it. you certainly don't see it in movies or tv shows or books or, or anything like that you know it's always um childless women that you know if they are portrayed and usually they end up getting their miracle child at the end anyway 
and childless men are, you know, they're the high flying career guys who haven't got time for a family, you know, who's going to waste their time with something as trivial as babies, you know. So there's no role models out there for them either. No, there's definitely not. Um, one of the things I've talked about in the past is how, and I use my Game of Thrones analogy again, um, that if you look at that series, every childless man in that series was was damaged in some way. Hmm. Yeah. You know, where every man that had a family and had that lineage was this tough warrior. And so, in essence, that's what—that's why guys would be very reluctant to talk about that, because they would be perceived in that way, if you will. They'll be perceived as damaged. They'll be perceived as less as less of less of a man than the rest of us, you know. Because obviously, there's a there's a lot of um, I don't know what the word is, but. There's a lot of kudos given to you know guys that can father lots of children, so to speak. Mm, yeah. And if you can't, then you're less of a man. Mm -hmm. And that's 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 tough to deal with when you're brought up and to uh, how can I say this without 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 being not politically correct, but. <laughs> You're you're developed as a as a as a man to 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 be strong and to be to be um, I guess the breadwinner my generation and, and probably backwards it's probably changing now but you know and you're the guy that can you know you you should be the person that could sort everything out so if there's a problem you're you know it, I can sort that I can sort that out and that's where a lot of our self esteem comes from is is being able to fix it you know. Yeah. Look how happy a guy would be if he's fixed his car that's not working. He'd be over the moon. Be like, oh, fuck it, I've sorted that out. Look at that. You know, and you see that a lot being portrayed in, in popular media. You know, guys that work things out and they're always the hero. I'm sure we could we could sit there and th think about tons of movies gotcha. like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And if you can't work it out, then you are less of a man. Yeah. And even further to that, I know you guys have talked about it before when, when you've had Robin and, and the other guys on, um, you know, that I've had clients say they also felt that they were looked at as if they might be um, potential uh, danger to children, you know, as in a paedophile because they don't have their own kids. You know, I've, I've had clients say, you know, they had siblings who had children, so their nieces and nephews, and they were like, oh, can you come and um, look after our baby? And, and maybe the wife didn't want to go. And they've said, oh, I don't really feel comfortable doing it by myself, even though their brother or sister has said, I don't care, I trust you with my kids. They've just said, yeah, I just don't feel comfortable because there's that perception in society. It's like, oh, you know, a man on his own with a young child that isn't his, you know, must be doing yeah. the wrong thing, which is, is awful. I mean, I've even, as a woman, experienced that. Some friends' kids um, had done a runner from, uh, you know, sort of group of mums all chatting. I'd gone off to the bathroom, saw these kids doing a runner towards water, and sort of 
I was the closest to them. And if I went back to get the parents, you know, something could have happened. But I was so conscious of if I tried to stop these children and they started screaming, that people were going to look at me like I was doing the wrong thing. And I can only imagine that's 10 times worse for a guy. you know, if he's in the playground or something with his niece or nephew, toddler, he has a little, you know, hissy fit as, as kids can do, um, trying to calm them down or going, I want my mommy, I want my daddy. And people kind of go, oh, you're not the parent. Um, yeah. What are you doing to that child? And, and again, it's those awful sort of societal stereotypes that, that people um, feel fearful and understandably so. Oh, you're on mute, Michael. Do that all the time. Get off mute. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be amplified also by the fact that that if it was me, I'd be feeling very awkward because yeah. I don't know. Am I doing this right? Is this what you do? Is this how you you know? And so yeah, that that feeling of is everyone looking at me because mm-hmm. like I'm a fifty year old guy and there's a little there's a little child here that I'm supposed to be looking after. A classic example is uh, Vicky's Vicky's new sister. And that she's got a, well, she's probably seven now, seven-year-old. Now, of course, I'm Uncle Michael and she loves Uncle Michael, but Uncle Michael's not taking you to the park by himself because, yeah, I, I would feel really uncomfortable that exactly what you said, Chrissy, mm-hmm. and, and also amplified by the fact that, what do I do? Yeah. You know, what do you, what do, you do in this situation? because I've never had the experience I think we all get that judgment don't we I mean I remember at one point I was taking my niece out you know and the first time I rocked up I was shitting myself I mean I don't know how to look after kids I'm very awkward around them anyway because I find it intensely uncomfortable you know you've got a kid there haven't you and you can't have one It, it brings up your own stuff but my brother sort of took the piss out of me and went you look terrified and I was like well wouldn't you be worried if I didn't look terrified <laughs> you know what I mean and it was this judgment and um the first <laughs> this was terrible first time I took her out she fell over and so I I was like what the fuck do I do what the fuck and I just went into a bit of a tears and I'm like right I'm gonna go to mum and dad's and they'll fix her because I don't know what I'm doing and that uh, the whole this now has gone down into legend in the family is the time that I broke my niece and it's kind of yeah it's funny but by the same token <laughs> it made me feel like a complete numpty like completely in, inept when it comes to children. I think we all feel that, don't we? In a certain amount, you know, certain times, it's just like, what do I do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have siblings either. So I don't have nieces and nephews. And when I was married, uh, you know, that my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had kids, but I certainly felt awkward around them. Like, it's a baby, what do I do with it? Yeah. Yeah, but this is this has been really interesting because it kind of is about guys and what guys need, but it's also sort of overlapping with how we feel about it as well as women, isn't it? It's kind of quite a unifying yeah. thing. But what's next for you, Chrissy? Where do you where are you going with it all? Do you know? Have you got plans? Um, yeah, like I'm I'm looking towards. So as I say, I, I've actually started working with couples, which was never really my intention. I, I my focus is very much men, but I've found that women have approached me saying, "Look, my husband or partner isn't that keen on counselling, but because you work with men, they've said if we see you, we'll they'll go." <laughs> which is nice I guess um so you know so I'm definitely doing some more work in that space and 
Um, you know, I certainly I'm looking into whether I start running some sort of group therapy type stuff as well in particular different areas. So perhaps around grief and loss of, of childlessness. Um, you know, I've, I've got some clients who've also lost siblings at a young age. And, and again, there's not a lot out there for, um, for grief and loss around uh, sibling loss. Um, and one of the other big areas, unfortunately, where I get a lot of clients is um, domestic abuse. Um, so I have a lot of men who are victims of domestic abuse and there is just no support out there um, for guys, unfortunately. It's, uh, it's, it's horrific. Um, and of course, there's, there's so much fear around that. There's, you know, the whole family court system and everything is, is not kind. No, it's not really kind to anybody, but um, particularly in these sort of domestic abuse situations where um, and kids end up being withheld or used to manipulate them and, and that type of thing. And again, there's just no real recognition that, that men can also be victims of domestic abuse that, you know, it doesn't matter if they're six foot three and 120 kilos and their partner's five foot two. It's a, it's often a different type of abuse. And a lot of them say, yeah, she hits me, but it's neither here nor there because she is small and not strong, but it's, it's the, the hours of um, emotional and mental abuse, you know, being screamed at till four in the morning every day, um, mm. being told that they're worthless and, and not good enough. So um, something that unfortunately I just see more and more of. And, um, you know, so I think I'll be doing a lot more work in that space. It's, it's something I'm really passionate about. I've got lots of friends who've also unfortunately um, experienced it firsthand. So um, recently attended a fantastic men's health summit here in Australia. It was an online thing and, um, you know, lots of great organizations out there, uh, mostly sort of grassroots stuff. So, you know, very contained to their local area, but doing fantastic things to help men. And, and so sort of reaching out to some of them and, and trying to build up, a, I guess, a greater network of, of support for guys so that guys know that no matter what the issue is that they're struggling with, even if it's just general life stress, um, there's people out there who care and, and want to help and, and can support you, whether you have money or not. You know, there's organizations who are doing stuff on a volunteer basis. There's obviously services like mine where it's a paid counseling service. Um, but yeah, just keep getting the word out there to, to the groups and, and to people and spreading um, my network as far as I can. You know, I do all my work online so I can work with people uh, across Australia, New Zealand, even the UK if, if I wanted to. Um, and uh, just let guys know that they're not alone and it's okay to ask for help. So. Wow, real advocate for men then and they're, they're, they're sort of their hidden, hidden pain, yeah. I guess, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's just sad, you know, to see how many men are struggling and um, and just, as I say, that not not having the support that they need, you know, having guys turning up and um, clearly in an abusive situation and, and yet somehow feeling like they're the bad person, that they've done the wrong thing because, you know, at some point they've maybe snapped and shouted. And again, it's that narrative, oh, I'm a bad person because I allowed my temper to, to get out of control and I screamed back. And it's like, well, you know, if you've been screamed at till four in the morning every night for seven nights straight, yeah, you're going to snap. Um, and, uh, you know, just helping them understand that there are options. And uh, unfortunately, there isn't. I think we've got two men's shelters in the whole of Australia. 
Um, they've, they've tried to get more funding and they've said, no, I mean, as it is, I, I understand that we don't even have enough of those services for women in domestic violence situations, let alone trying to get anything for the men who are in those situations, which unfortunately is the minority, but it's, it's a rapidly growing minority. You know, that's the scary part is it's, it's not like it's just one or 2% of domestic abuse situations. It's, I think it's up at like 30, 35% now. Um, and, and that's the ones we know about, you know, there's, I'm mm. sure there's many more out there. Uh, certainly the clients I work with, I mean, they've never called the police or, or anything like that. So um, they'd be going uh, unrecorded in the statistics. So yeah, just trying to figure out how we create a system that, that helps at, you know, this conference I was at, I think they hit the nail on the head where they said, we're so busy trying to band-aid these services and, and systems and processes. Really, we need a government who has the courage to just scrap it and, and start again, because it, it's, all, it's not working for women victims of domestic violence. And it's absolutely not working for, for male victims of um, domestic violence and that doesn't even take into consideration you know like our uh, transgender communities and uh, as well you know the domestic violence that they also suffer so um, you know that's just a whole other area again that yeah we, we need to do some more work in. Wow. Actually I'm, I'm going to forward you on a an article I was sent about um, uh, remote area of mental health and about men and childlessness i'm not quite sure if you've seen it but there's a prof there's a i think she's a professor newcastle university mm -hmm. and she's also got a um uh practice in orange and she deals with um let's say farmers you know because we we know in australia sarah there's a there's a there's a massive um there's a massive amount of, of suicide, people taking their own life, who, um, especially men in remote areas, you know, we have farms that are, you know, hours away from anywhere. A man may have inherited it. You know, he hasn't had time to, to, to build a family, build a life around himself. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's stuck with that. And there's a lot of, um, yeah, so there's a lot of, a lot of focus on that around Australia as well. So I'll forward that on to you, um, Chrissy, when I find mm, it. I can't great. find it at the moment because too many screens open. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly it. Unfortunately, we have nine suicides a day in Australia and seven of those nine are men. Um, men are about two and a half to three times more likely to take their own lives after a relationship breakdown, um, often due to financial stress, having children withheld, uh, family court situations, that type of thing. It's um, just, mm. yeah, it's just awful. So yeah. um, we need to, to try and bolster the services for, for men. I think that goes for everywhere, doesn't it? I've seen some quite horrifying stats of um, sort of men, sort of 40 plus, the, the suicide rate. And the, uh, this is the UK, but it is, it's off the chart. And I presume it's because of this very reason they don't know where to get help they can't communicate they need help they don't feel able to yeah. so it's terrifying really yeah, yeah. i'm I, I can speak for myself again from a trying to lead by example point of view that uh, when i got to around 45 46 47 i didn't realize it at the time but there was a lot of anxiety that built up in me 
Um, and there were uh, some things happened at my past employment that, that amplified that even more. And one of the things I found out uh, is that the, the amount of anxiety that's, that, that occurs in men over 40 is huge, mm. is absolutely huge. I, I can only speak for myself and say that perhaps it's a, um, you, you know, your testosterone dips, you know, that resilience, that bulletproofness that I had when I was, you know, in my 20s is no longer there. And yeah, we, we're, I don't know how I feel. I don't know why I feel this way. And of course, we've talked about the fact that, well, where do you go and get help? Where, you know, where do you go? I was lucky in that we would, Vicky and I had had that experience with getting counselling. And, and um, so I had some of that. I want to talk about that in a moment because it's very pertinent. But one of the other things that helped me was I went to the doctors and they recognised in me that I had, uh, that there was something wrong. You know, Michael, you're not behaving, I thought I was okay, but they're going, no, no, hang on, wait, 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 look at what you're doing. You know, I was always on edge. Uh, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't hold a conversation. Uh, there was many other things and they go, you know, you need some help. And I, I actually, Typical bloke, oh, I don't need help. No, 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 no. Until they convince me, take some fucking tablets, you idiot. And I, I'm now on medication to control that anxiety. And I'm, I'm so glad that I took it because I can see a marked difference in the way that I am now to the way I was before. So one of the things that uh, let's, if, if I'm appealing to some of the guys out there, one of the things that, that you need to look out for is that um, do things feel out of control and do things feel like you can't control them anymore? Because that's how I felt. And that just really built up inside me. Circular thinking where it just keeps going round and round and round and round and round and round and you start building it all up to it's just out of control. So if you're feeling some of those things, it's, it, I suggest go and get help. Um, now, circling back to getting that counselling, I was counselled by a young girl who was probably just out of uni. And this is not the 10-year period. And she probably needed more experience to deal with someone like me because I could see she didn't, she didn't have a lot of life experience and so therefore I didn't feel that I got the right value from that, those sessions. Because previously we had been to a woman who had lost her husband, had lost her daughter. She had worked in, and, and she was probably in the sixties then. And we were, yeah, that was probably what, nearly 20 years ago, probably more. Uh, she had worked in family uh, family planning clinic. She had worked in a, a marriage counselling. She had, you know, as a mature person, had gone to uni and got her psychology degree, and so she had a lot of life experience. And so, 
so what I'm circling back to here is is Chrissy. You know, it's really really refreshing, and I know a bit more about you than you've let go. But you know, it's it's people like you that we need. We need people with experience. We need people with the life experience who have, you know, like you say, you've had men in your office crying with you. You know, you've had your own um, things to deal with in in your life, and it's it's that. I think that will it will make a difference, and so I wish you all the very best in your endeavours. Thank you. I can feel the emotion rising, but that's okay because I've learnt that's all right. But um, yeah, so how can people how can people get hold of you? Um, well, they can obviously uh, ask you guys, or <laughs> uh, my my website is Chrissy Pantlin Counselling. Uh, same on Facebook, same on Instagram. Um, yeah, oh, I just type in uh, counselling for men, Chrissy. I'm, I think I'm the only one that comes up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, you'll find me that way. And um, yeah, whether it's just you know you want some one-on-one sessions or. Uh, you want directed to other groups that, you know, maybe a, it's more a, a support group you're, you're after at the moment or some mentoring. Um, you know, I'm tying in with a few different uh, groups that I've managed to uh, sort of link up with uh, from the, the Men's Health Summit, which was fantastic, um, where we want to sort of cross support each other and, um, you know, promote each other's services because we're all offering something slightly different. And, and that's the point, um, I think, is that not everybody is ready for counselling, you know, not everybody, mm. you know, nobody is forcing you um if you need support and help to you must see a professional counselor um but knowing that yeah there's there's groups like yours out there there's there's fantastic mentoring groups out there who do it all on a voluntary basis um you know because for some people there's still that stigma of, of seeing a mental health professional whereas mentoring is is less uh, confronting and um you know might be more appropriate at this time but um yeah, absolutely. I'm very happy to to chat to anybody and uh, offer whatever support or guidance I can in that area. Of course, we'll put all your contact details yeah. in the show notes for this episode as well. So, yeah, thank you. Fantastic. I mean, doing such good work as well, linking up and really advocating for guys because it's that it sounds like they need it, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. In all walks, yeah. not just not just the childlessness. So, on yeah, behalf of all guys. On behalf of all guys, Chrissy, I want to say thank you. And that's all we have to leave Chrissy for now. Now, we'll put all of Chrissy's contact details in the show notes. Now, we'd also love to hear your opinion on the podcast, or you may have a suggestion on how to improve the podcast. So please contact us via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And all of those links can be found on our website, www.thefullstoppod.com, where you can also register for our newsletter so you can keep up to date with what we're up to. We would also appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you are using to listen to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread, and the more of our community we can reach. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, please go to our website where you can find a form to fill in and give us all the details. Now, don't forget, we love hearing from our audience. So please, drop us a line, say hello at any time. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone.